Today in the Multiply Podcast, we're talking about the four source idols that exist in every human heart. Check it out. Hey everybody, welcome back or welcome to the Multiply Podcast. My name's Jared. My name's David. How was your birthday, man? Oh, wow. I'm now 36 years old. Mm. That no, Nothing mad. Nothing. Ha- I mean, I guess... That's a big one. Am I right? I guess in the sense that... <laughs> <laughs> no one cares about 36. You're just... Now you're kind of really officially closer to 40 than 30. I guess that's the biggest thing. Yeah. If... Yeah. I don't know if it feels older. I mean, I don't feel older at all. I still feel like I'm 18. Yeah. You you don't look a day over 40. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. My oldest daughter's birthday is in two days, and I'm going to officially have a teenager. Dude. Which is like... Once when when you when you say you're, when you tell people a group of people that your daughter's turning thirteen, it's like it's a social contract where everybody has to say the same thing. Oh, you got a teenager. I'm like, yeah, that's how math works. <laughs> They're like, oh, your life's over now. You're gonna have all the hard problems. Yep, yep. Well, your the thing is about your daughter, she's a very well behaved person. So I don't envision you having an issue with her. Actually, this plays really nicely into this podcast. <laughs> I don't think you're going to have an issue with her being like a wild and out, going crazy child, right? No, she's your she is a prototypical oldest child, real responsible. Um, also, as we'll get, we'll get into our conversation on heart idols, um, and I don't want to put this out on public because she may listen to this someday. But um, it's clear that for her, uh, she wants to make us proud. Yeah, you know, some kids just want to like watch the world burn. <laughs> And they just want to tick you off, but but my oldest is just like she really does want to like follow the rules. Sure, she's you know 100 percent a rule follower. In fact, in many ways, we have to try to get her to relax in certain areas, you right. know, of things like Lily. You don't really have to wear your seatbelt, Lily. You don't have to wear your masks while sleeping alone in your bedroom, <laughs> <laughs> wearing a seatbelt in your bed. <laughs> Although the CDC recommends it. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, well it's uh. Yeah, man, it's 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 fun. It's a fun time of year. Um, we it's a crazy time of year for our family because we have my birthday, then my son's birthday. We've got Mother's Day, Father's Day, mm. my daughter's birthday is the end of summer. My anniversary is in there. It's like it's a very expensive time. <laughs> I inevitably every year end up going like, you know what? Let just don't get me anything for my birthday. We got too many other stuff coming up. So I kind of I kind of get screwed in this whole thing. Yeah. Actually, now that I'm realizing it, sounds like you're the, sounds like you are very sacrificial. Well, kind of, except for I'm pointing it out and trying to get credit for everybody. So, Well, joke's on you because Jen has not listened to one second of any of these. That's I know that's true. You're absolutely <laughs> right about that. She's like, why would I listen to you two talk when I have to hear you two talk all the time? <laughs> exactly. Well, we're excited. Hey, if you, if you missed the last podcast, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Stop listening right now, although Stop. you may already be tempted based on this intro. Go back and listen to the previous podcast because we really set up what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, it's called Understanding Heart Idols, right? That was understanding, the last episode. Yeah, Understanding Heart Idols. We really laid out the kind of the theological groundworking for all that we're going to talk about today. Today's going to be a really kind of a deep dive practical into what are the four source idols that exist in all of us? Mm-hmm. What are some of the surface idols? How do we identify those? But mm-hmm. it's really important that you get kind of the, the foundation of this, the theology of this before diving into the practical. It'll still help you, but I want to encourage you, go back, listen to that episode first, and then jump in. Um, as usual, any of these, are if they're a blessing to you and you enjoy them, hey, share them, send them to somebody else. 
uh, give us a five star. It kind of gets more exposure and more people. So um, David's banking on this for his retirement. So if you want to see him be able to retire. I emptied my 403B <laughs> and poured it into this podcast. So please, <laughs> please share. Like. I've not seen a dime of that. I don't know what happened to that money. It's gone. Uh, all right. So let's... um. Let, we set this. We set the stage last episode, mm-hmm. and we said when we start off, we're going to kind of number one introduce the four source idols. It's probably the best place to start, and then, and then we talked about um, mo- of, moving just, into identifying them. Right? Yeah. Just kind of we'll, we'll say them, and then we'll kind of reverse engineer towards them. Okay. Yeah. You want to get us started? Sure. So the four uh, source idols, which are actually harder to spot and identify, identify although you'll recognize these words. Um, they're, if you envision roots growing up to a trunk, growing up to, you know, uh, branches and leaves, that's also called a tree. <laughs> I'm describing it like nobody this, knows what it this, is. This podcast is good, man. This is good stuff. So these source idols would be the root. It's very hard to see. And then as you start to get above the surface uh, at the trunk level or so, you see these surface idols, which are easier to identify. We we see them; they're almost visible in people's lives. Yeah. And then, and then there's the behavior, which was really the fruit of our lives, which we can identify through asking some key questions. So, I'll just mention them. Four, the four source idols. Number one, comfort. Um, example. So that we'll talk about materialism and give some examples. Um, comfort. I will have meaning if I am rich, wealthy, have a certain amount of money in my bank. Um, two, and by meaning we mean um, even just rest and uh, the comfort of knowing that this is there. Yeah, I would just I would also maybe I would also describe comfort as like an avoidance of pain. Okay. And, and um you know, so it's it's a as, as long as I don't have uncomfortable situations in my life, as long as I don't have pain, then I'll I'll be happy. Yeah, right. Okay, good. And then there's so comfort number one. Number two is the approval idolatry, which is the money I have allows me to purchase things or go to places that will make people notice me and approve of me and accept me. The third one is control identity. It's it's the money that I have that protects me from power or from problems. It puts me in a place of being able to control the outcome of my life because I can afford certain things and access to things, right? Yeah. You're just using money as an example. I'm using money as yeah. one example in all four source right. titles just to kind of spell it out. Yep. And then power idolatry, which is the idea of like money equals power and influence, right? Yeah. So yeah, money is just one specific example, but I just wanted to give some context. So to summarize, it's comfort, approval, control and power and these things are uh, sort of lurking in the roots of our hearts as idols we defined it last week idols are things that we love trust in treasure more than jesus things that we look to for identity things that as we worship them we we become them you know the whole you are what you love and so these are the four source idols of our hearts and now what we're going to do is just kind of like work our way back towards them right yeah. So we start looking at our behavior, and we talked in our last episode about how it can be irreligious behavior, destructive behavior, harmful behavior, clearly sinful behavior, but also it can be behavior that um, is good, um, that is even uh, generous, mm. that is even religious. Yeah. And those things can also be motivated by the words that we just mentioned, comfort, approval, power, control. And so, Jared, um, in your discipling of yourself and, and discipling of your family and friends and people that God has brought you, brought into your life, what are some of the key questions that you've learned to ask to help you this uh, down this path, on this journey of getting to your source idols? Yeah. So 
uh, one thing that we can one thing that you can recognize is this that your emotions will always point you in the direction of your idols mm. so if you're ever um, the most surface level so to use your analogy of the tree like the branches and the leaves which you can see from the distance the the easiest the, that's your emotions so what things what things get you upset what things bring you tons of joy if you look at that spectrum that emotional spectrum like that high those highs and lows what are those things and so for me um, once I recognize those things, like um, we used this example in the last episode just because it recently happened yesterday on the day we're recording this, mm-hmm. is um, my son opened our car door fast at church and dinged another car, and I got super, super upset and frustrated and yelled at him. So the emotion, right, in that moment was anger and frustration. Now, in that moment, I'm too clouded to be able to immediately recognize my root idol. But because I'm aware of this, then I can start the work of kind of mining down to the depths. And the way that you do that is by asking the why question. Why am I feeling this way? So why am I feeling this anger? Well, because my son slammed the door. Yeah, but why does that upset you? Because he wasn't listening to me. But why does that upset you? You know, so you keep asking the why question until eventually what you'll do is you'll you'll dig all the way down to one of these root idols. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I actually did this practice internally yesterday in church because I was I was really bothered by while I was preaching. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> um, no, actually, I think I I discovered it before you started preaching. So it was during worship. Don't worry about it. We won't tell Pastor Anthony. Yeah. But here's what I realized as I dug down why, why, why. And this actually took me a, little, a, a couple of minutes to kind of, I realized for me it was the comfort idol. Hmm. I was upset at him because now I was inconvenienced and I had to deal with <laughs> handling this issue where I just wanted an easy Sunday. I wanted to go in, have a nice service, leave. Now I had to deal with telling another person that we hit his car, all this stuff. And so uh, all of a sudden it emerged from me. I was like, oh, that's what it is. It's my comfort idol. And the reason I was so angry at him is because he now stood in the way of me Mm. and worshiping my comfort idol. What's so interesting about that story, besides just seeing how how flawed of a dad you are, um, (laughs) is that it could happen to four. So let's say four different people in the car or in the parking lot at church ding someone else's car. I sure hope not. (laughs) Let's just say that happened. All four people could have the same emotional um, explosion or frustration, but it could be for totally different. It could be coming from four different source idols, right? Right. So to go back to the four source idols, you mentioned comfort as yours, that this became an issue of convenience. Oh, it's such an inconvenience to have to write a note and leave a note, right? And that's frustrating to you. Yeah. For some people, it's the approval idol. Like, oh, man, these people are going to be mad at me. They're, they're going to think, think I'm a bad dad. Yeah, they're going to think I'm a bad yeah. dad. They're going to, you know, so the sense of like, what will people think of me or Mm. our family, right? Or they're going to think I'm a bad parker. I should have parked further away. You know, for some people, it's the control idol. Like the fact that now you've left this note and now it's out of your control and you're just waiting to, you don't know if the person's going to be angry, if they're going to be a jerk. Could be the potential money you're going to lose to have to pay for it. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then also the, the sort of the power thing that I don't, you know, my son did something that that sort of was um, a threat to my power as his dad, like his yeah. disobedience or his in, his unwillingness to listen. Right? Like, doesn't he see who I am? Doesn't he know who I am? And that well, and there was power. a little bit of that in me too because I had this is something obviously like every parent you've talked to your kids about before. Hey, when you open the door, don't don't swing it open like you're <laughs> Thor. Okay, like take a moment and look around. So you're right. That power idol of like 
you're not listening to me. I'm mm. your authority, you know, is definitely at play, I think, as well. So, yeah. yeah. If you want that, if you want that example to fit, though, you got to let your son watch the Marvel movies <laughs> every time you, because you like to, I've heard you try to parent him. You use all kinds of examples of <laughs> Marvel characters, but then you don't let him watch the movie. So he's always confused. The bad people. He'd be too scared of the bad guys in those movies. So one question that you just mentioned that we can ask is where do our out of control emotions show up? Mm. You know, in traffic, yeah. at the grocery store, in our house, right? And then do the hard work of saying, why, 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 why? Um, Another way I think of identifying your heart idols is kind of, I'll give you two questions and they're sort of the flip side of the same question. What is your, what do you daydream about? What do you, what do you obsess about? What do you always sort of think if only this or someday this, yeah. but on the flip side of that, what's your worst nightmare? Yeah. Like what's the one thing that if you lost it or if it was under threat, if it was taken from you, if you couldn't get to it, you would lose your joy yeah. um, and your desire, even in some cases, to live, right? So so what has that sort of power over you, you know? And so there's moments where, um, you know, the nightmare of being exposed for being a fraud can cause people to lie, to do all sorts of things, or even just to buckle down or double down, I should say, and work harder to yeah. be more impressive, right? But then there's also this sort of like, as um, James K. Smith calls it in his book, um, you are what you love. There's everyone has this vision of the good life. Yeah, and I think the, the quote from his book is that t- to be human means to be animated by or oriented and oriented toward some vision of the good life. Yeah. So animated by means it it pushes us, it compels us, it puts us in motion. Oriented toward means it directs us and guides us. So it both drives us and guides us. And if you can really look carefully at your life and say, what are the things that mean the most to me and have the most power? They, what, what can make me the happiest and what can make me the saddest in, a, in just a moment? They're usually important things. So I'm not saying the health of your family is not important. I'm not saying financial security. They're usually important things, but that is the danger of idolatry, right? Good things that become God things that ultimately then enslave yeah. us because we have to serve something. And there's yep. a brilliant speech that we've probably referenced before by um, David Foster Wallace. He did a commencement address at Kenyon College many years ago. He's not a believer, but in it he talks about like everyone's a worshiper and the danger of worshiping things other than God, which is interesting because I don't think he was a God worshiper, is that those things own you. I remember yeah. one specific line from his speech. He says, if you worship beauty and sexual allure, then you'll die a thousand deaths before they finally plant you. Yeah. Um, and so there's there's one more question. So you mentioned high emotions. I'm talking about what do you daydream about? What do you aim your life towards? Also, what do you fear losing the most? Any other questions that you think are diagnostic type questions to get to closer to your source idols? Well, um, I think those are really good. And just, just to add to that, like the, the interesting thing about David Foster Wallace is he, en- he ended up taking his own life. And, and you were talking about some of the financial pieces when there was a financial crash of whatever it was, 2012 or um, there was this huge spike in suicides in the financial community, wall street community. And like, there is a reality that, and I, and I, you know, suicide is a very complicated issue, but there is a reality that there's part of us that when we feel like there, we've lost that thing that we become hopeless and go, mm-hmm. what's life, life's not worth living anymore. Like mm-hmm. my, my chase is over. I can't do this anymore, you know? And so you reference like what are the what's the thing that brings you most joy and then what's the thing that make you walk? One of the things that I often do 
is, and this maybe sound a little bit morbid, but I will think to myself, what are, what is the thing that if this happened to me, it would, it would be the most difficult situation that would make me want to walk away from my relationship with God. Because I want to like confront that because what I realize is at the heart of that, it's, it's my heart idols. Hmm. And, um, and, and I pray that those things would never happen, but I also want to examine that and wrestle through that, you know? Um, and, and you've gone through, through some of those things, even in your, in your own life Mm -hmm. where I've seen your, your faith strengthen, not weaken. But I think a lot of that had to do with you working through this process, even before those things ever happened. Yeah. Suffering has a way of exposing your theology, right? Yeah. And I think, um, one of the questions that I've heard, uh, actually Kathy Keller, I think Tim's wife say, um, is one of the ways you can identify your idols is what unanswered prayer request would cause you to lose your faith in Christ. Yeah. And it becomes an indicator that you really want, you really trust in that more than him. Right. Right. And his ability to give that to you more than who he actually is. And so, yeah, another um, set of questions that I think are useful and very practical is simply what do you lead with in conversations with people? Mm, And what do you hope those conversations lead to? Yeah. And often when I'm meeting someone new, I'm mindful of my tendency to look for opportunities in the conversation to shine a light on something great about me, something interesting about me. And while I think that's part of maybe being a good conversationalist and there's not anything wrong with self-disclosing things you're proud about, um, how much power does that have over you? It just, again, we're not talking about things that are inherently sinful necessarily. Yeah. We're talking about things that we have to kind of almost like a warning flag. You yeah. got to just pay attention to them yeah. because if you find yourself in this place over and over again, that, you know, so here's an example. Um, there's some people in my life that uh, every time I, I talk to them about how life is going and how work is going, it's always busy, crazy, terrible, hard. Uh, and, and that's probably true in some ways. But there's something about that answer that's connected to something that they think makes them valuable. And, and I think, you know, if if yeah. your identity, if your source idol, let's say your source idol is approval, maybe you think what makes people approve of you is that you're working really hard. Yeah. And you're dealing with a lot of crap at work. And so that's what that's what makes you, you know, um, or maybe you think it gives you power to come across as somebody who's just always having to deal with stuff and put people in their place. So it's like all of those conversations, all of those answers, when you hear somebody sort of always going back to the same thing, one of the things it can do is actually reveal a source idol. Yeah. And this is this is interesting when you flesh this out because I was listening to a, a podcast you and I used to listen to. It's called Finding Mastery. Yeah. Um, it's a sports psychologist who, who interviews people that are elite in in different fields. Yeah, mostly sports. Michael um, is it Michael something? Which is, um... yeah, I can't remember his actual name, but um, and I remember one episode he was talking about. He was telling a story about how he was doing counseling with the I think it was the U.S a gymnastic women's gymnastics or or he was doing counseling with a a young girl who was very promising and moving up in the usa gymnastics scene Mm -hmm. and um he he counseled her individually and then the mom came in the room and he said to the mom he said i think i can help her but you have to be aware that as we unpack and she gets healthier her, her 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 
production in sports may go down. Hmm. She may not be as good of an athlete because I think there's some things that are driving her unhealthy that are unhealthy. And as we fix them, and and he said the mom they never came back. The wow. mom never brought the daughter back. Wow. And uh, and I thought it was revealing. I've listened to this podcast enough, and I've listened to you listen to a lot of stories, and I kind of come to that point as you realize like mm-hmm. there's so many people that accomplish amazing things and they do out of this world things. But oftentimes if you look at their life, there's an unhealthy root idol that's driving them. They have this relentless drive and it could be approval. It could be power. It could be, you know, security or it could be comfort, but it allows them to do amazing accomplished things. And, and we look at that from the outside perspective and go, wow, that's amazing. You know, in the church, we look at some pastor and we go, wow, look at what they're doing. Look at all the activity, look at all the stuff. But what we don't realize is the thing that's driving that is this relentless desire for one of these heart idols. Yeah. And there's a way, I have two thoughts, and hopefully I'll remember both of them, but there's a way in which our idols play off of each other, right? So you mentioned this gymnast who maybe has this, I didn't listen to the, is Michael Gervais, by the way. Um, yes. Um, I, I don't. I didn't listen to the podcast, but this, this young gymnast may have an, a source idol of approval where like she gets attention and approval from her parents by being successful. Her parents, on the other hand, may have a, her mom may have a control thing, you know, or a power thing. Like she, she wants to win. So on a much, on a much um, more local level within my own life, like my daughter, as my oldest daughter is getting into sports, like she definitely, I can tell, like wants to make me proud. She knows I care about this. Yeah. But the problem is, is like sometimes I care about it too much, right? Because I like I win through her, I succeed through her, right? Many yep. parents, the phrase is, you know, they sort of finish their unfulfilled dreams through their children, and so now, now my unaddressed um, idolatry actually becomes fuel for her idolatry, mm. right? So now, because I need to win, I push her, and because I'm pushing her, she wants to make me proud. Yeah. Another way to put it would be you're you're leveraging her heart, heart idols right. to gain your heart idols. Yes, which actually, when I looked back at youth ministry, was a lot of what, what happens often in youth ministry worlds is you leverage the heart idols of teenagers to get them to behave, to show up, and to um, engage in meaningful ways the problem is, is that all you're doing is you are putting muscles on the bones of their heart idols, which eventually will always turn against you. And I guess it probably needs to be said that the problem with heart idols is not that they lead us into bad behavior, harmful behavior, although they can. The problem with heart idols is that they enslave us and don't set us free, right? Yeah. Yep. And so one of the one of the most use one of the reasons why idolatry is such a useful metaphor in society today is that is in a world where people don't agree on right and wrong, people still do agree on the need to be free, right? Yeah. And the pursuit of idols is always a pursuit of freedom. And we think if I have this, then I'll truly be free. And if I can measure up in this way, I'll truly be free. But what we find, and we see this in the lives of celebrities, and we hear this literally in their words, Tom Brady, Jim Carrey, these guys have all said some version of, I got it, and it's not enough. I'm not free. I'm a slave to the next season. I'm a slave to the next critic. I'm a slave to these things. There's no freedom in these things. And, And that need to um that need to serve something and achieve something keep surfacing in new ways that, i i wonder if that's often when you see celebrities who get everything that they could possibly want from success in in hollywood to finances to all this sort of many of them eventually turn their attention towards social 
causes, which mm-hmm. is wonderful. They're doing wonderful things. But I wonder if it's just that compelling, ongoing thing of like, I got all this. It's not enough. Now this will be the thing yeah. that's enough for me. Yeah. We spend our whole life doing that. And, and I realize um, that's been the story of my life. So my, my primary heart idol has always been approval. Um, and secondary idol is comfort. So growing up, as I look back, I I was always pretty good at athletics, and so I would look to athletics to give me approval. I'd look to things like humor and people laughing at what I said to give me approval. But then as it shifted, I realized I also I also started getting heavy into drugs and alcohol, and, and that was really my comfort idol and my approval idol manifesting, wanting to fit in, but then also wanting to kind of numb the pain that I was feeling and um, the, the struggles that I was having a way of avoiding that was through drugs. That's what I, that's what I used. And then I got older and what I, when I went off to Bible college, I, I couldn't do those behaviors anymore, right? The drugs wasn't appropriate, but my idols didn't change. Right. So now I just look to, um, you know, I, I met my wife at the time and now she became the source of my approval idol and my comfort idol shifted to things like TV, and food, sometimes in my life, even exercise, right? And and you can look at it now, and I, I recognize it now. It's Netflix. It's it's um it, it's mm-hmm. a, it's a for me. It's primarily like Netflix or TV or TV or food, and it's just this avoidance of man. There's uncomfortable, painful things in my life. I don't want to think about them. I want to go through them. So I'm just gonna fill my life with this. And so your behavior changes, and often the uh, the the center of what you're looking at for those idols changes, but the idols don't. They just they just shift. Yeah, and so th- I think that's the story of all of us. Who you once were, um, you probably live very differently than what you do now, but your idols haven't. And if you're not aware of them, it's going to be really hard to find lasting change and transformation in, in your own heart. You know. Yeah. One more question that I think's worth asking as a diagnostic question. Then we should probably move to some of the examples of surface idols. Um, is sort of where in your life are you making the greatest sacrifices and for what cause, right? Because that is the nature, you know, in ancient world, that's the nature of worship. You literally physically sacrificed animals. uh, And of course, that still happens in some cultures around the world. We don't think of sacrifice that way anymore in America because we're not doing, you know, at least most of us are not doing animal sacrifice to worship gods. But we do sacrifice things. So what, you know, uh, if you're a if you're a family per, if you're a dad and you sacrifice time with your family um, to pursue your career, that's an indicator of something that maybe has it might be like a surface idol for you, which is career, right? Um, if you are sacrificing um, being able to save money to spend all your money now, then maybe a surface idol is materialism. If you are sacrificing, you know, so on and on, right? Yeah. Um, but what are you sacrificing for? Where are the sacrifices that you're making in your, and you'll know what you'll know what they are. They're things that you'd like that you're you're giving up so that you can get something else. Well, what is that something else that you're trying to get, and why do you need it so badly, right? Yep. So that moves us towards our surface idols. So surface idols are defined as things that are easier to spot because they are closer to the surface. And and yep. we have, we have a document in front of us that gives us some list of examples of surface idols. Why don't you share with us some of these surface idols, Jerry? Okay, so we got image. It's I have meaning by the way I look. Um, I know you struggle with that, David. Um, helping, I have meaning by need. Uh, I have meaning by need of me. If so, people need me, so yeah, people need me. Then, yep. then I get meaning. Dependence, I have meaning if there's someone to keep me safe. Independence, I have meaning if I am free from obligations and responsibilities. 
Work, I have meaning by my ability to get things done. Materialism, I have meaning by a certain level of wealth, financial freedom, and nice possessions. This is an interesting one. Religion, I have meaning if I am keeping my religious moral codes. And then irreligion, I have meaning if I am free of organized religion and self-made morality. In a ring, I have meaning if I'm a part of an exclusive or particular group. Family, I have meaning only if my parents and or my children are happy with me. Hmm. Relationship, I have meaning a, uh, I have meaning if a certain person is in love with me. Suffering, I have meaning when I am hurting or in a problem and I feel noble or worthy of love. Hmm. That's interesting. What another way to think about that would be kind of a victimhood, right? It's like I, I have meaning when I'm in that that place yeah some people don't feel like they're worth attention and love until they're in crisis right and and a lot of times that's formative when you're young you have a a significant crisis as a when you're growing up and that's when the family pulls together and that's where everybody's really working in the same direction and then for the rest of your life you kind of pursue those suffering experiences so that you can feel that again Mm. it's it's a yeah uh and then lastly ideology i have meaning if my views or party's views have influence or power which is politics we've, we've seen a little bit of that yeah and we could say, you said, I have meaning. That's what the document says that we're looking at. But it could also be, I have freedom. Yep. Right? Yep. Um, and so these are things that, like, even as Jared was reading through them, you probably were thinking of things that, I mean, honestly, you probably were thinking of your spouse uh, or a friend or a family member. It's often easier for us to look at other people and say, oh, I can see what their surface idols are. But hopefully um, the Spirit will help us. And I guess that's one thing we should say is, like, what we're talking about requires more than just cognitive, willful work. Yeah. It's it's a supernatural work. Yeah. We don't change our own hearts. Now we partner with the with the power of the gospel by doing the hard work of looking at our hearts with the Spirit's help. But ultimately, at the end of the day, we just pray, God, change my heart. Give me a new heart. Yeah. Help me to see the things that I'm trusting and to see their worthlessness and the ways in which they also make us lose our worth, which is which is something that the Old Testament says that idols are worthless things that make people worthless in the end. Um, and so these are all important things that we look at these surface idols. And then as we go beneath these surface idols, now to bring this conversation full circle and to wrap it up, we have to keep pushing to say, is this a comfort issue, an approval issue, a control issue, a power issue, right? Yeah. Once we get to that point, though, it's just the identifying of the idols. Now we have to look to Christ, right, yeah. to see how he gave up his comfort. Uh, to, to, to bring to us security and strength, how he was rejected so that we would not be, how he laid his life down, gave up control of his life so that we could have hope in him and not have to be a slave to control, and that how he gained power through losing. He won through losing, right? We look at the cross, we look at the life, we look at the teachings and the ethics of Jesus, and those things, as we preach the gospel to our hearts daily, have a formative work, have a formative power in expelling these lesser loves, and filling us up with the love of Christ. Yeah, and this is an important this is an important thing to realize because when I when I first went through this, I I thought, wow, all the power is in understanding what's happening. It's kind of the self awareness, right? So now that I know I have this idol of approval and, and comfort, that's all the work. But it's not. No, just knowing your idols. It's worse, actually, in some ways. In some ways, it's worse, but it certainly doesn't move you towards health. Just knowing your idols, believe it or not, will when temptation is there, you'll you'll be blind to it in that moment. Like with my son, when you're yelling at him, like your it's your sinfulness is your heart is too overwhelmed by the temptation of that idol right in that moment. 
So just knowing your idols is not enough. The secret, and you you pointed this out, is the gospel. Mm-hmm. It is it is illuminating your heart with a love for something that's greater for that. And this speaks to the importance of being with Jesus every day. And this is this is where it's a game changer if you're in ministry. Because you don't just teach people, hey, you need to read your Bible and pray every day because that's a good spiritual discipline. You're teaching people the reason why this matters is because this is what's at stake. Like, this affects your whole life. You're not going to have a greater love for Christ or the gospel unless you're with him, right, every day. But it also says that this is why we need each other. This is why we need the church. This is why we need a community of people to help us see the beauty. We can't see the beauty of Christ in its totality by ourselves. Mm. We have to be around other people who are encouraging us in that, who are speaking gospel language to us in that. And the last thing I would say, and then I want to hear from you, is when you when you're with a community of people that all speak the same language of idolatry, they can help you work towards health faster because they recognize the idols in your life. So when we did this in our in, in the group of guys that that I was discipling as a pastor, we would literally say like, "Hey, bro, I think that's your approval idol. Come to the surface." And I was like, ah, you're right. You're so right. And so when everyone speaks the same language, it allows you to self-diagnose and and encourage and equip and kind of help each other in a a much more profound way. Yeah. And and I think that um, to wrap up our conversation, and if you want to read a book that really unpacks everything we've been talking about in these two episodes, there's multiple options, but I would recommend the book You Can Change by Tim Chester. And in that book, and we don't, we couldn't figure out who the source of this uh, was, but he talks about the four G's, that God is gracious, God is glorious, God is good, and God is great. And each of those four truths about the nature of God uh, confronts each of those hard idols, right? So he's gracious. I don't need to prove myself. He's glorious. I don't need to fear what others think. He's good. I don't have to look everywhere else for pleasure. He's great. I don't have to be in control, right? And so um, being able to get into the rhythm of reminding yourself he's gracious, he's glorious, he's good, and he's great. I've, I've literally walked into moments and meetings where I'm rehearsing that in my heart and in my mind, reminding myself of the gospel, and it's daily work. That's when, yeah. that's what it means to daily work Die to self, live to Christ, preach the gospel to ourselves. Yeah, if you want to, um, if you want to dive deeper into this idea when it comes to sexuality, we actually have recorded two podcasts on this called "The Gospel and Sexuality." You can go back and look at some of our old podcasts where we actually break down how these four idols play out in in the way that we think about sex, and it's a lot more uh, it's a lot more detailed in that particular area, and um, it, that'd be worth a listen if you're interested in uh, in diving deeper. So. All right, before we close out, we want to do a little portion we do called David's Eats, where we're not only making better leaders, but also better eaters. So, David, uh, summertime is here. At least by the time this podcast is out, it'll feel like summer. Closer. Closer to summer. A month away, but close enough. Well, you know, <laughs> I like to start summer about March, mm. in my mind. Um, so I want to hear from you. What's your, what's your favorite summertime meal? If you got to pick the perfect summer day, what are you having? Well, first off, I do not enjoy eating outside when it's hot. So that's kind of like when it gets up over 80, I don't like sweating while I eat. So (laughs) I'm kind of a, I'm kind of a party pooper. Like I'm like, when people want to go picnic at the park and it's 90 degrees out, I'm like, I'll be in the car eating my, (laughs) eating my sandwich. Um, you know, it's got, it's got to involve the grill, of course. And I mean, in Syracuse, we have Hoffman hot dogs and I like the white Mm. ones, the Coney's. So for me... It's a it's a nicely grilled. I like it really grilled, like not burnt, but like a nice brown yeah, crisp yeah, on yeah. the outside. Some spicy mustard, maybe a little relish, and on a New England style roll, and I'm pretty happy. 
you know, I mean, I like grilling all sorts of stuff, of course, steak and chicken and yeah. even grilled pizzas. But when I think of summer, I think of Hoffman hot dogs. Yeah, I love that. I love that. If you've not tried them, because I'd never had them before I moved to Syracuse, I don't know. You can look online. I'm sure you can order them somewhere or find them. But they're they are unique and different and uh, and awesome. Um, I love them way more than the hot dogs now. It's true. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. This is the Multiply Podcast. We hope to see you guys on the next one. Thanks so much.